is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time, Lord, that you've given me with my brother and sister, that we have another day that we can just get into your word, Lord, and be edified and be taught of your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for these times because the times are going to come, as Jesus says, when no man can work. So why not, Lord, just get ourselves sharpened, Lord, and focused in your word and to follow your spirit, Lord, that we may do all that you call us to. For your will, Lord, is greater than any will that there is. And I pray, Lord, that you make our paths plain and clear. I pray for those out there, Lord, who don't know you, that you make your voice available, that we may understand who you are. For, Lord, these times are desperate. These are the times that try men's souls. There is deception everywhere, Lord. There is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, Lord, that the devil has taken so many down with, Lord. Well, tonight, Lord, we hope to expose a lot. Lord, for you brought this subject not for us to ignore, but for us to take part in, because the devil has so many snares. He's got so many tricks, Lord. But I'm asking that we be of those sheep that follow the good shepherd that you lead us beside still waters, that you strengthen our souls, that you restore us, Lord, to wholeness, that we not get taken away, Lord, in the coming times. And I pray for those who couldn't make it tonight, Lord, that you watch over them and guide them. I pray, Lord, that they see that wherever they may be, that serving you is the greatest thing of all. And I pray, Lord, that no flesh gets glorified tonight in tonight's study. But, Lord, we want the strong presence of the Holy Ghost. We want your spirit to fall. We want people to hear that they might be one and that they may get saved. But, Lord, there is no time like the present to do all that you have called us to do. So in the name of Jesus, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, Every Antichrist spirit, Lord, every demon dog spirit, every spirit that has plagued your people from the beginning of time, I bind it now in Jesus' name and your authority, Lord. I pray for uh, Christina and Trey, Lord, that they have, uh, that their baby was born healthy, Lord. For we know that they gave labor yesterday. And Lord, we know what the doctors and all these things in the medical world are about. But I pray that you watch over this baby's life that it be born without any defects, that it be born healthy. For, Lord, these are the wicked days. And I'm just asking, Lord, that you spread your peace and your joy to those who don't know who you are. Make us vessels, make us instruments that we may play that song, Lord, that glorifies you, that all men may know and see that we serve a true and living king today, that you are alive today as you always were. 
And I pray, Lord, that your spirit reaches all those who need you. For, Lord, these times are dark. These times are dreary. These times are dangerous. But, Lord, if we stay with you, that we will be victorious. As your word says that we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Well, I pray, Lord, with the help and the aid of the Holy Ghost, that you teach us your word that all be exposed tonight. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, you are just, and you are true, and you are worthy of all praises. I curse the spirit of sloth, Lord, that has come upon your people. I curse the spirit of cowardice that the enemy has tried to bring. I curse the desire, lustful spirit of this world, Lord, because it has taken your people apart. I pray, Lord, that we just remain with you. Do it, Lord, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' mighty, holy, and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called Vanity of Vanities, All is Vanity. Vanity of Vanities, All is Vanity. Now, you know that we heard this from Solomon when he uh, referred to himself as the preacher in Ecclesiastes. We're going to spend a lot of time there tonight, but we're also going to hit a lot of other subjects concerning what vanity is because man there is nothing like it i mean i know that we talk a lot about pride but i think that in order to identify pride we have to understand vanity because the devil as we talked about uh sunday when we spoke of serpent language Mm -hmm. he always tries to take it away from the lord and make it about you and i and if he can do that i mean he is more than halfway home because if we take the emphasis off of Jesus, then we are really lost. We are sheep without a shepherd. More importantly, we become sheep that go according to our will, but not according to the will of the Lord. So it is just so important that we understand what vanity is because the devil will use it in so many ways. That's why every king of Jerusalem, when God appointed them to be king or they had chose a king, He always started out somewhat righteous, not all of them, but some. But then they found themselves over time pleasing themselves or pleasing men and eventually turning away from the eyes of the Lord. So we want to make sure that that doesn't happen to us because the devil has the same tricks today that he pulled yesterday when he told Jesus, if you be the son of God, you know, command these stones that they be made bread. Jesus said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So Jesus waited for the instruction of his Father for every single thing. And this is where we've got to get to the point of that obedience. Because chances are, if we're not obeying the Spirit and everything the Lord calls us to do, we are caught up in vanity. There is, a, there is something that we want that we are doing that is not in line with what God wants. Yep. And I've come to this reality in myself, and I think that's probably why, you know, I've been pretty bold at work in telling people about the Lord. And, you know, I'm almost looking to get fired because I'm recognizing that place has no uh, will that goes according to the Lord. Everything that I'm preaching, everything I'm talking about, this whole system is against. Mm-hmm. So in order to... Uh, you know, fight against vanity or to pursue the Lord, it's going to put you on a collision course with the world. Vanity is the world. Vanity are those things that the Bible tells us do not profit us. That we go after things that don't profit, 
that is vanity. So we're going to get into um, a little bit. We're going to explain. Uh, yeah, we'll get started here. This is the um, the definition of vanity. And this is uh, Hebrews um, 18.92. Okay, and the transliteration is Hebel. The phonetic is Hebel. And it means vapor, breath. Breath, vapor, vanity, figuratively, vainly. Now you know how often the Bible speaks of vain vanity. This is Strong's definition. Um, this is 1891, and it says emptiness or vanity, figuratively something transitory uh, and unsatisfactory. Often used as an adverb, uh, x altogether vain and vanity. Now here's another meaning, um, I think this is for vanity, in the Greek. And the word is meotes, or meteotes. And it means uh, what is devoid of truth and appropriateness, perverseness, depravity, frailty, want of vigor. So you see that the, the Greek definition is almost the same as the Hebrew definition, and it means like, you know, to go after things that don't profit. Mm -hmm. So we're going to cover a lot tonight because, man, when this word vanity was brought to mind, I began to think of so many things like the Bible talk about things not profiting. What can a man exchange for his soul? Or what about, um, what's the other thing? Beating against the wind, as if I'm fighting against the wind. Things that just don't matter. And I think that the devil has made this world... <clears throat> excuse me, so fun that it's like we really don't recognize that, that all these things are vanity. Mm -hmm. So many of these things, man, the devil has left so many empty trails. It's like God has made one road for us to go the way that we should, and the devil has left a lot of, you know, sparkling, glorious roads, not glorious, but like um, beautiful roads on the side that, you know, we can step in and take a peek and, you know, we might understand that we're being deterred and we want to step back on track. But even when we step back on track, we still have to go back the way we came to get back on the road, which means that we are not as, long, not as far along on the trail as we should be. So if he can deter you or delay you or keep you looking around you when God is what we need going forward, then he's done his mission. Because the one thing the devil does not want us to be is disciples of Jesus Christ. Yep. Once we have reached that point, now some of us can say we're disciples, but not really because the, the identification of a disciple is to make disciples. It is to, I mean, you know, we all have like, you know, we teach lessons and we show our gifts here and we go out and we talk to people and we get, uh, you know, amazing visions and things that we know that our God is real. But the truest definition of disciple is to win souls, mm -hmm. is to go after the souls of people. And it's this fruitfulness that the enemy wants to just, you know, snuff out. He wants to push it under. He'll get us into us. And see, this is how far vanity can go. When we start feeling good, you know, there's times I listen to a message and I'm like, man, I can't believe that the Lord said that through me. But if I take a closer look, what am I really doing? I'm, I'm being, it's vanity to hear yourself or to think of, man, this is awesome that the Lord did this. How about how it affected someone else? 
So never let the devil take your gift and have you relish in it. Yep. Is it being shared? Is it winning souls? Is it taking us where we need to be? Those things are important because God only saved us that we may save others. So don't let the devil puff us up because he does it to me. He'll try and tell, oh man, look at all that, all the things that you've done. And wherever you go, when people start talking about the word, man, you got a word to come right back at you. Yeah, okay. But how many souls are being won? You understand? We can't let the devil ever make it about us. Even when the Lord gives us visions or he gives us word or we lay hands on the sick and people get healed, praise the Lord. But the focus is always Jesus Christ. The devil may know that you have the spirit, but if he can keep you focused on you, then the work of the Lord does not get done. So it is so important that even when we're out there doing works for the Lord, that the glory is all his, we are just vessels, but the sign of our spiritual maturity is that we may make disciples after ourselves. If the life of Jesus Christ lives in us, then there should be productivity of our, of our work. And you know, the devil has used this against me, and this is why I'm telling everyone else. I remember for a while, you know, yeah, people may message me here and there, hey, great message, you know, I want to pursue the Lord. But the thing is, is I, I found at some point I started getting comfortable, and I'm so glad that the Lord just shakes us up. I'm glad that he won't let us rest. I'm glad that this place never gets really full of people. At times, people come and people go. People will disappoint you. People will be with you. Those things are always good because the Lord is trying to show you, hey, you need to stay focused on me. Not for crowds, not for fame, not for fan, you know, not for, you know, um, fanfare, but to be in line with what we, you, I called you to do. And, and it's important that we just get out there and we become more productive for him yes. because vanity is taking people down. They start feeling good about some things and they stop doing others. And it is so important that we keep our eyes on the king. All right, so I'm going to read this real quick and we'll get in. We can have to, um, matter of fact, let's go to Psalm 12 real quick. I want to start with the word and then we'll get right into this. But man, you don't think the devil did that to old Solomon? Why do you think he dedicated a whole book to vanity? Because vanity is what the devil will try and use. That's what he used on Eve. Man, you will be as gods. Never mind the God of the Bible. You know, the devil is slick. Mm -hmm. Yes, he is. But you know, praise the Lord when we feel uncomfortable. That's right. Praise the Lord when people walk in and out of your life. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord when, when things become challenging to us because he wants to get us to a different level. Those things, man, I'm telling you, there are times I think some of the best teachings we've ever done here was when I had that sense of urgency in my spirit. Yes. When the Lord shakes you up and disturbs you because he brings the very life that is in you out of you. God's not going to have you speak for him unless you know how he feels. Mm -hmm. You've got to understand your God. How can you be the mouthpiece for God and you don't suffer what he suffered? If you don't have the emotions that he has. You know, when you look at Isaiah, you look at Jeremiah, you look at all these prophets out there. They all felt that anguish to win a soul or to go after people. And God said, you know, Hosea, go and marry a whore that you may understand how people do me. You know, so in order to be a mouthpiece for the Lord, we've got to feel what he feels. 
And that's an amazing thing. The walk of a person of God, it is a lonely walk. You'll find people along the trail that walk with you, but some people are just not as serious as you are. Mm -hmm. Some people don't want this like you. They may like the groups. They may like, you know, um, being in the ministry. But when it comes down to doing what the Lord says, that is a very elect and select group of people. So if we are going to decide to walk with Christ, then we need to be able to walk with him when others are around and when they are not. Yep. That is important because God is going to prove his work through you, not through us. I mean, not through anything else. You know, what an awesome God we serve. Amen. So this is uh, Psalm 12 and 1, and it says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail uh, from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one uh, with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. Now, we know that this is true because you know how um, I talked about before, one of our um, strongest times, I think, with the Lord is when we first get saved. Mm -hmm. Because when we first get saved, we are so direct with the Lord that we become direct with other people. We know what we learn. We believe it. It's a new life that is springing in you. And you are telling everyone about Jesus, you know. But then there comes a point where we go into religion. We start getting in the church and being around other believers. And we may listen to people and they'll tell us, hey, don't say things like that. Be a little bit more polite. Don't do this. Don't do that. And then before you know it, they're pouring water on your fire. I'm not saying we can't have teachers that we might get better, but I'm recognizing that most people, their idea of what a Christian is, is somebody that is just always smiling, always kind, always nice, and always trying to find ways to make people feel good. When really, if you look in the Bible, Jesus says, let your communication be yea or nay, yes or no. Uh, yes, I am for it. No, I am against it. Mm -hmm. But these are the things that, you know, when he talked about the people of the world here, they speak vanity, every one of his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. Because a lot of people aren't ready for yes and no's with the Lord. You know, Jesus Christ never, I mean, he didn't sugarcoat anything. He told you up front, the prophets told you up front. But we are trying to find ways to appease men that we don't get hurt in the process. And you see, those are the things that are not of God. There is some vanity there because we start caring about us. Mm -hmm. I even notice times when I present messages that I'm trying to find. There's nothing wrong with looking for clarity, but then I try and find ways. Man, I don't want to offend and I'm in the wrong place. I should be more focused on Christ. Jesus said what needed to be said. So we got to recognize that those people, you know, vanity, every one of his neighbor. I mean, this is what we're getting. We need to really be like the Lord. Look at verse three. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things who have said with their tongue, with our tongue, um, with our tongue, will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? So this is the worldly people where they don't mind blaspheming the Lord. They don't mind saying things that they, you know, speaking of things that they don't understand. But they think that, you know, like Satan told Eve, you will be as gods. 
So these people in the world don't feel like they have anyone to answer to. Mm -hmm. They're very proud. They're very bold. I make my living. I do what I need to do. And it's okay because the Lord has a way of shaking everyone up. He has a way of getting everyone to the place of when they will need him. You know, those people laughed at Noah. They laughed at Lot. But when fire rained down in Sodom and Gomorrah, when that flood came, oh man, they weren't laughing then. So, you know, our job is just to tell people the truth. And if they don't want it, then, you know, so be it. And I'm not saying we can't tell people in love. Um, you had a, a, a situation with a friend that you were telling them about, you know, how to be or whatever. That's fine, you know, because we ought to love and tell our brothers and sisters what they need to know. But I just mean for the most part, when we're dealing with people in the street and things like that, man, we just got to be up front with people. You know, there's a we just have to tell people the truth. How much of holding back the gospel did it help us? I mean, you know, we all got saved by telling people the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really what it is. Verse 5, for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. So the Lord is going to come against all those who are into self, all those who oppress the poor, all those who are not, who are not for the Lord. I mean, this even includes, like I said, religious people out there that they feel all they need to do is look out for themselves and each other. You know, the Bible makes clear in James 1, pure religion, or when you go after those, the, uh, the oppressed, the widows, the fatherless, you know, the homeless, people that really need, you know, those are God's people that he's looking out for. You know why? Because, you know, our Lord was the same way. He yep. looked after those who were in need. Verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. And why are, why are vile men exalted today in the world? Because they are going into self. They are loving themselves and not loving the Lord. They aren't paying attention to the words of the Lord. You go to 2 Timothy 3, what does it say? Um, in, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Dangerous times, why? Because men shall be lovers of their own selves. This is the same type of vanity that we're dealing with. And it's unfortunate that this world's about self-love. People are taking selfies and pictures and sending them to everybody. Everybody's got to look and dress their best. Everybody has to have things in their way. And, you know, God is going to visit these things because if you've got, the Lord wants us to give to others. That's important. Yep. All right, so I'm going to read this uh, real quick concerning um, vanity because I love the way this person broke it down. And it's going to make more sense as we go through the lesson. All right, this is symbolism, imagery, and allegory, speaking of vanity. As you might have noticed, Ecclesiastes is totally obsessed with this word. He can't get enough of it. It's his catchphrase. What does, oh, what do uh, is the Homer Simpson, all is vanity, is, um, is to Ecclesiastes. Like, as, as often as, you know, Homer would be like, do, is saying that, Vanity is how it would be mentioned in Ecclesiastes. 
but there's a problem. The word vanity is sort of a weird way to translate the Hebrew word havel, which means something closer to mere breath. As the scholar Robert Alter translates it, yeah, vanity has more of a ring, a ring to it than mere breath, but that's the truth. And another issue with the word vanity is that it has too many negative connotations. It's like saying everything is fake or something like that. But the actual meaning of the world is a little more subtle, insubstantial, uh, might be the best way of phrasing it. So they're talking about, you know, when you were to say everything is vanity, everything is fake, everything is false. Even Paul told us that the things that we see are temporal, mm -hmm. where the things that we don't see are eternal. All right. So this is what uh, he's trying to explain. So he says it's insubstantial might be the best way of phrasing it. Things that are full of vanity aren't bad. They're, they're just um, ephemeral. Like in other words, you know, they don't get you anywhere. It's almost like a dream or just, you know, a fantasy uh, world. Um, fleeting, not worth getting attached to. There is a bit of absurdity and futility mixed up in it, but it's not the same as what vanity implies, even though that's the classic translation. So this is another part where it says, just a slog through, a, through the fog. That's all well and good, but why mere breath? Why does Ecclesiastes think that breath or wind or fog provide good metaphors for everything? Well, the simplest answer is because everything fades away. It's like if you're standing outside on the cold day and you can see your breath going out and dissolving, Ecclesiastes means something close to that. Now, we know that this is true because the Bible talks several times about how the grass will fade. You know, uh, what does Jesus say? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So this is what this person is talking about. Also, the word hevel means breath that already um, that's already been spent. So you could call it a waste of breath though that's probably too negative too. But there's another word for breath. Now you know that's the roach, which is the spirit. You know that word meaning spirit or pneuma. The roach is the breath of life. You could say that um, uh, hevel, which is the Hebrew word for um, vanity, is breath on its way out, being wasted or spent. And roach is breath that's still giving power and strength to life, keeping it working. One of the paradoxes of vanity, however, is that when you recognize that everything is like a dissolving fog and that nothing will last, not even your own body, you can live a life without being attached to anything and without worrying about the past and future since you know that they're just more vanity. So does that make any sense? You know, where they're, where they're um, trying to place this, that it really doesn't have a whole lot to it. Mm -hmm. Here's another one, and I'm, then I'm going to get right into the lesson. This is chasing after wind. The world, uh, the words translated as chasing after wind actually, literally, mean hurting the wind. An impossible task. It's a bit like herding cats. Yet the word for wind used here is get ready. The same for the word uh, for spirit or soul in Hebrew. 
That's why the King James Bible translates it, translates it as vexation of spirit. The wind is the rawak, the breath that God breathed into Adam when he makes him come alive. So Ecclesiastes isn't uh, only saying that uh, living a life of worldly attachment and delusion is like trying to herd the wind. It's also like trying to herd the spirit. The basic energy um, of life uh, to go in to go a certain way. It is impossible. It's an impossible task for a human. For a human, uh, you need to let everything happen and have the courage to accept what comes. Even searching after wisdom can be a form of chasing the wind. And now this is true because if it's not God's wisdom, think about what uh, the serpent tempted Adam and Eve with. He tempted them with knowledge separate from God. Mm -hmm. And to this day, man is going out trying to obtain all this knowledge that makes him think that he's equal to God. All this technology, everything that they're gaining, and man is still a beast. He's still sinful. He's still not of God. He still can't keep himself from getting a cold. He still can't keep himself from suffering um, sorrow and loss, whether you're rich or poor. Yeah. So, you know, no matter who's rich or no matter what they have, these things dissolve. But what God has will endure forever. All right, so we can start. We can go to Ecclesiastes 1 to get started. But the point is, is, is when we look at it from that perspective and we understand it, there is nothing in this world that you can obtain for yourself. And I think that God does us a favor by telling us this because Jesus never believed in wasting time. Nope. He even said, hey, if they do not receive it, don't throw your pearls before swine. Go out and go after those who can win souls. He even uh, made it clear with the whole parable of the sower, you know, and all this stuff that we'll be talking about. So it's just really interesting how we need to stay focused on what the Lord wants. Because this really is a matrix. It's a dream world. We can't put any eggs in this basket. Nope. Exactly. Ecclesiastes 1, and we'll start at verse 1, and it says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. So this is Solomon. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. Now we know that this is talking about the earth, how the sun and the moon go. You know, you can read this in the book of Enoch concerning the heavenly luminaries. But it's just like, you know, the sun is not going to do anything different on any particular day. They all have their routine. They all know their place. And he's using these as an example to show us how things cycle through life. You guys want to see something interesting. It is good, too to pay attention to dates. Because one thing I'm noticing, and the Lord tried to show me this, I think at the age of 17, but when you pay attention to dates, people dip in and out of your life that are around you 
um, according to certain dates. Now, I'm not talking astrology or anything like that, but I've noticed that people that you might have met in November, let's just say you hung out with them for a while and you're pursuing the Lord and they're not, those people will come around, it seems, next November. It is just so weird how timing is. Like, you know, and, and it's just that everything has its season, everything has its cycle. Mm -hmm. And it is important that we recognize, you know, when I'm starting to feel stronger in the Lord, I'm recognizing certain people are starting to come around. And that is because it's a distraction to keep you from going forward with the Lord. Yeah. But it's just very interesting when you start paying attention to your surroundings, especially certain times of year. Oh, yeah. All right. So it says in verse 7, All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full unto the place from whence the rivers come. Thither uh, they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that has been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. And I praise the Lord for this because that's why he gives us the Old Testament and the New I can't be like a lot of people that all they do is teach out of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. I need the Old Testament too because in order to understand the devil and his tricks and the things that he does, you know, we got to look at the people that fell or that have failed that preceded us. We also have to look at those people that succeeded that preceded us because the devil is going to come and do the exact same things. He does not change his tricks. He may find new audiences, but he does the exact same things. So it is important that we recognize what the tactics of the enemy are that we may not fall. Mm -hmm. But it's true. You know, I remember um, three times in my life, I'm only 42 years old, but I remember as a kid, suspenders coming out and being popular. And, you know, I remember they used to hang them, like not even wear them. They would hang them and then they went out. Then they came back again with another generation, and now they're trying to bring them back. So it's like everything has its trend, and it'll continuously go. And this is why when older people tell younger people, hey, don't waste your time, stay in your schoolwork, do what you need to do, and do whatever, they're telling you out of wisdom because they have already lived the life that you've led. The Lord has already seen the beginning from the end, so we need to yield to those who have experience because they're going to tell you in areas that you're wasting your time. Yeah. You know, there's so many things that seem important to us at 15 and then you get to 25 and they're not that important. But man, when you get to 30, 40, 50 and on, you understand that life is really short and you understand that there are some things that you should have been focused on more than others. Mm -hmm. And this is all that the Bible is trying to tell us. Guys, your life is but a vapor. Do not waste your time. I know that there seems like that there are things that you can do later on or things that don't seem as important, but it becomes so important because you only have a little bit of time to do what you're going to do. Yeah. I never thought that I would be 42 years old with no children and not married. I thought in many ways I could waste my time and do what I want to do and live, but I never saw this stumbling upon me. And it's not that it's that important. It would be great to have someday, but the point is is that you recognize how short life is. 
So we better get down to doing what the Lord calls us to because this is not going to last forever. Yeah. And as well because I know exactly what you're saying because, uh, you know, I was raised in church and went to Christian school and all that. And the one thing I said when I got away from it, as many other people say, is the last thing I want to do is go to church because it's been shoved down my throat my entire life. Mm -hmm. Well, my question is, is that, and I'm not saying that people aren't teaching the truth, but it's like as a young person, that's when your minds are most developed, when you're a kid and when you're a teenager, right? So mm -hmm. why is it that these Christian schools, they're not turning out more Christians than what they are? Because their relationship with Jesus Christ is not being, you know, indwelled in these children. It's just, it's a, it's a curriculum instead of a relationship with the Lord. But you're right, because it's like if the youth is not talked to today about this stuff, then, I mean, it's like, come on, 20-some-odd years later, they've got a lot more to to come away from. You start going after things that don't profit. When I was working on Wall Street, you know, and doing everything, I thought I was on top of the world. I was 24 years old, you know, when I came there, and... You know, I really thought it was something, only to learn those things mean absolutely nothing. You know, that's about as far as you can get in corporate America is to work at the New York Stock Exchange because mm -hmm. those guys make serious money, you know. But I look at it, and I found there were more criminals there than there are in prison. You know, it's not what it's cracked up to be, yeah. you know, and, and it really is. We need to get our minds free and pursue the Lord. So he's making it clear there was nothing new. And that's why Solomon's going through this. Verse 10. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. So no matter what we think that we are discovering that is new, it is all old. It is the same old game that the Lord has seen time and time again. Mm -hmm. Verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. So, you know, chances are our generation is going to see the same thing. The generation after us is going to see the same thing. It's going to be the same old story. And you know who knows this better than anybody? The devil. Yep. And this is why he comes up with things, you know, to, to take down every generation. So it is important that we promote Christ because... The devil's definitely not stopping what he's doing. Verse 12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are under heaven. This sore travail have God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Now, who better to speak on this subject than Solomon? He became king. His dad was a king. Solomon was pretty much, you know, born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He had everything before him. He pleased the Lord because he wanted to be, you know, obedient to God like his father. And God gave Solomon more wisdom than any man that walked the earth. And what did Solomon do? He went out, you know, forgot. He first ruled good. He forgot about the Lord, started partying with women, you know, 300 wives, 700 concubines. 
getting into other gods, teaching witchcraft and doing all this. And how can a man with all this wisdom go off course? Because he's later learning. I believe that he wrote this later. I don't believe he wrote Ecclesiastes at the time when he, that's why he says I was king Mm -hmm. because he's toward the end where I believe that he's recognizing, you know what? I wasted my life. I've wasted time. There were things that I did that I should not have done. Okay, so Solomon knew that he wasted a great treasure that the Lord had given him. Solomon should have been a lot more influential, but you know what? If you're not like Christ, it doesn't matter. All is vanity and vexation of spirit. Verse 15, that which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. So we understand that when something is crooked and it can't be made straight, it's talking about if the foundations of it be destroyed, then what can the righteous do? This is not speaking of man because we know that God can redeem man. This is talking about even when you look at this world, how crooked it is. A lot of Christians have false hope and they're sitting here believing that America is going to turn around because you've got um, preaching going on in the White House or they're doing some Bible studies. I can tell you for a fact, there's no Bible studies going on in the White House. That's a, that's a pack of lies to appease the people, to get people wanting to put more hope back in this system. All right, there are no Bible studies going on. They may have Bibles there. They may put on a good show and the news comes in and, you know, flashes these things, but that's only to appease people. As we know, the Antichrist, his plan is to do what? By peace, destroy many. So his goal is to keep you focused on the here and now so you can have hope in this. There is no turning this around. Uh -uh. This country is going to be judged. There are things that are going to happen. What we need to do as Christians are win souls out of it. But a lot of people are thinking kingdom now. You know, and that's a damnable doctrine, thinking that you're going to bring heaven to earth. It will not happen. God's word is true and it is sure. So all we can do is win as many souls as we can for the kingdom of the Lord and do what he calls us to do. But as far as saving this earth, you're not going to turn prophecy. God holds his word above his name. That's right. All right. So verse 16, and it says, I commune with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate and have gotten more wisdom than all, than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. So, you know, you can say what Solomon is trying to say here is, I lived my life to the fullest. It would be like somebody that, let's just say, came to Jesus later on, but when they were in the world, what do they say, you know, You live fast, you die young, fast times, fast money. Mm -hmm. Like, in other words, I've been out there, I lived, I knew what it is to party, I knew what it is to get high. That's not what he's saying, but in a nutshell, I know what it is to live my life on the edge and to have great excitement, everything that you can possibly have. But I know that this alone is vexation of spirit. Okay, verse 18, for in much wisdom is much grief, And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. And you see, this is why a lot of people hate the gospel, because the gospel is going to show you just what you are and just what this world is. 
And a lot of people love this world so much that they don't want to be detached from it. They don't want to recognize their need for a Savior. They want to live from day to day believing that they are in a good place and that this world is going to last forever. And see, the Bible speaks of everything other than that. The Bible talks about the world being destroyed. Jesus tells us that we are to do what he calls us to do, that we don't fall. Okay? So from here, um, I want to read chapter 2, and then we're going to get into some other scripture. But it is important to understand Solomon's perspective because he had more than anybody. You know, more than anyone. And then you wonder why Jesus had come as a servant. Because Jesus knew, hey, you know, the goal is not to get all you can here. The goal is to, to, to redeem man for my father. To yeah. get him out of the world. Even in this last verse, in verse 18, it, just the way it's worded, you can tell he just, like, he had all this wisdom, but he, like, didn't truly appreciate mm-hmm. what wisdom that he had. You know? yep. Because... In this, like, grief is something, if you take it with the wisdom of the Lord, it's like, it says, like, blessed are them, uh, blessed are they that mourn because they shall be comforted, you mm-hmm. know? and sorrow doesn't necessarily have to be bad if you're doing it with the Lord, you know, and you're, like, learning and growing and you see exactly. through all that pain, yeah. you know, but he didn't appreciate this. No, it's so true. And I mean, you know, the more you know, the more... Hey, I can can vouch for verse 18 because I remember when I first learned about the New World Order and I became obsessed with learning about all these conspiracies. Man, and then I'm like, in some ways you wish you didn't know because it was like, man, now that I know what the Bible is telling me and what I'm seeing and all this going on, man, it becomes now my life that I can't put my stock in everything here. Mm-hmm. So the more you know, the more you recognize. It's sad to hear like young kids, especially in school, talking about, I want to be a doctor. I want to do this and I want to do that. And I'm like sitting there thinking like, Lord, if you could make it so that these people, you know, get to see, you know, um, at least something happen in their lifetime, it would be awesome. But knowing in my heart from day to day, this economy is hanging on by a thread. Yep. All this stuff's going on. And it's just like, Lord, I feel so bad for these children that they get to come up in a time where, man, things are on their way out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it becomes sad to hear. You know, it's nice to hear the kids have dreams and wants and things. And it's not up to us to determine what. But I can tell them that if they put their stock in all this and they think that this is all there is, Man, they're setting themselves up for failure yeah. because they really are chasing a dream that just doesn't profit. You can be a doctor and go to hell. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. And you, you got to take that Hippocratic oath, which is pretty much Satanism, which is, you know, them protecting their own butts. You know, injecting kids with medications and things that are destroying people. So that even the best that Satan can do is destructive in this world. All right, Ecclesiastes 2, and uh, you want to say something? Oh, okay. Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 1, and it says, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee uh, with mirth. Um, Oh, therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. So mirth is kind of like joy, you know, like exceeding happiness or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
He's saying that he's recognizing, yeah, you can go and enjoy pleasure, but this also is vanity. Why? Because, you know, there's nothing wrong with having pleasure, but we got to understand that the world's pleasures and God's pleasures are two different things entirely. You know, now, there's nothing wrong with, you know, I guess going out to dinner or being married or being in love and all that, but the devil will make you put emphasis on those things that will take you away from the truth. Mm -hmm. So what God desires, Jesus Christ never came here to be rich. And there's nothing wrong with being rich if you serve the Lord and you do what he tells you. But man, there's a very fine, thin line where you begin to pleasure in this world that can take you away from what God wants. Jesus said a, a rich man will hardly enter into heaven. He said it is better for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in because this life is all about suffering, you know, that we might be like him. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that that doesn't paint a pretty picture, but when you've got true love in your heart, when Christ lives in you, you are going to suffer because you want to see other people out of it. Yep. But they always refer to this as this present evil world. And I think the more that the Lord has shown me how evil this world is, the closer I drew to him and the more comfort and confidence I began to have in him because I began to recognize this world really is evil. Think about whatever it is that you put stock in or that you want and how it just blew up in your face. You know, like when you go to get a house or something or a car and, you know, you can just tell the way that they are. We want our payments. We want our money. You're a couple of days late for your cell phone and they turn you off. You know, you really get a real view of, man, we're not earning anything. Or how many times you pay rent and, and, and if you're renting and then you fall down on your luck and they want to evict you. And you just start to get the question like, when, am I, when have I ever done enough that I can stay where I am or get some leniency to make it right. You're not going to get that with this world. This world is all about what it can get from you. Exactly. You know, but this world is not on your side. Even like homeowners and stuff, like even if you pay off your house, like you're still paying property tax. Taxes, like yeah. Yours. Yeah, so you recognize you can't really build anything here. And even if you stop paying the taxes, they take the home. Mm -hmm. So even with your agreement... That doesn't matter in Satan's kingdom. You've got to continuously be a slave. And when we recognize that we are slaves, man, it makes it so clear how easy it is to serve the Lord. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I work a regular nine to five or whatever. But the thing is, is that I'm recognizing I don't want anything here. Yeah. I'm sustaining now until the Lord sets me free. Yeah. And just like you, I remember, like, when you started talking to me about this stuff, a few years ago I mean at first I was like man that just maybe about 20 30 more years 40 more years until I can you know the, the Lord can let me do all this stuff but then when I realized the shorter the time was getting man I got upset even more at first and then mm -hmm. it was like it took the Lord gradually saying you know what your joy is to be in me only and that's it no matter what happens because if everything was to fall apart right now, would our faith stand in Jesus Christ? And that's what he's trying to get us to because once you realize that, that yeah, my faith is in the, is in the Lord totally, it's like the walls of your mind just start, those strong men start breaking down. You're like, you know what? 
I don't care about all this temple stuff anymore because it means nothing. You see, people hate this message. A lot of church people hate this. Because mm -hmm. I've noticed in a lot of church places, they try to equate the world with, with what God wants. Yeah. You know, and the two just don't run together. And I think, I thank the Lord for the revelation he showed me when reading um, the Gospels. And I noticed that Jesus went after everybody. All his disciples were doing something in the world. And he was pulling them from the job. He was pulling them from their parents. Mm -hmm. He was just coming after them. And I just started wondering, like, man, you know, if this is right, then maybe this is what he's trying to do to us. Or even if we're here, our hearts will still be with him mm -hmm. and not with the world. Yeah. So that's why we can work a regular job, but there's still a part of us that is, you want out. Yeah. You know that one day these things are going to come to a close. So you're not really worried about them that much. But I think the Lord is trying to free. That's why he says, man, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right. It is almost impossible to serve the Lord if you want the world. Mm -hmm. So yes. I think that's why he freed them. And they just followed him. If you think about it, I know they had a treasury of money bag, but they just followed Jesus everywhere he went. Mm -hmm. They didn't really have any life to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. Peter had a wife and... You only hear a couple of times of him being home or healing his mother or whatever, but he was on the move. It's just interesting to think about is all I'm saying. Yes. Verse 2, I said of laughter, it is mad, uh, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was the good, what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under heaven all the days of their life. Mm -hmm. So what is he talking about? Their eating and drinking, their indulgence. Solomon got into this too. Solomon said, hey man, I know how the world is. They go out, they eat, they drink, they're merry and given into marriage, you know, and I'm, you know, he's lived this. So he's giving you his experience of his, this would be called, revelings, mm -hmm. like rioting, wild partying, you know, enjoying yourself. Yes, Sarah. Because um, we got to get going to. No also, problem. in verse 3, real quick, it says, I sought in my heart to give myself unto one, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom. So it sounded like you tried to live both ways. Right. And that's why we went into um, Psalm uh, 12 when it says, double hearted. Mm -hmm. You know, with a double heart do people speak. That's a great point. And when you look at um, James 1, it talks about that double-minded man, yeah. unstable in all of his ways. So he had one foot in the world, one foot in the Father. And you see what happened? He fell away. Because you can't have your feet in both. No. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other. Mm -hmm. Someone is going to lose ground here. But in starting and with being with them both, you can't. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm... I'm not even going to let you stay on the fence. I'm going to spew you out so you and Satan can be together. Mm -hmm. He's not going to play that game where he's, all right, you're with me and then you're with them. He just said, you know what? I'll get rid of you and you can stay over there. But God does not want our allegiance to be cut in half. Exactly. Why? Because part-time will serve the enemy in his kingdom 
and in part time we'll serve the Lord in his kingdom. So the question is, what good are we? Why not stay on the devil's side so the Lord can annihilate you or come to the Lord's side so we can annihilate the devil? Yeah. But you can't be on, you can't serve to. All right, so anyways, um, verse 4, and it says, I made me great works. I builded me houses and planted me vineyards. And if you guys read Chronicles, Solomon built some amazing things. And all these other kings, you know, they built like, I think temples of ivory and all this stuff, man. I mean, beautiful structures and things that they built. Verse five, I made me gardens and orchards and I planted trees in them and all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith of the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above above all that were in Jerusalem before me. So Solomon lived a lavish life. I gathered me also silver and gold, uh, the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So, man, you know, Solomon had Broadway in his house. All right, Solomon had everything that a man could have in this life. So who better than he to tell us that all these things are vanity? Mm -hmm. And we are to take heed to these words. Why? Because there is nothing new under the sun. That's right. Verse 9. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And that's one thing. When the Lord gives you a gift, he gives it to you. The Lord gave T.D. Jakes a gift. It's corrupted. But his gift still works. It's corrupted. He's like preaching false gospel. Creflo Dollar, the Lord gave him a gift. But look what he did with it. You know, so when God gives us a gift, that gift remains. But that gift should be to serve the Lord. Yeah. Okay, now Whitney Houston, look at her. Her voice lasted all those years. Even when she was cracked out, she still sang better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. So when God gives you something, that gift will remain. And that's why we're not supposed to relish in the gift. We serve the Lord. Because if we relish in the gift, it's all vanity. Think about it. If we start caring about, oh man, the Lord is using me for this, this, and this. Yeah, you better make sure the Lord is using you. Because the fact of the matter that the gift works doesn't mean necessarily that it's being used of God. God gives gifts without repentance. If I gave it to you, it's yours. I'm not going to take that away, but you need to serve me with it. Because you can serve the world and think that you're serving the Lord and you can be way off. So it is important that we stay with the Lord. He's more important than any gift that we can have. Mm, yep. He is our source of life. All right, so it says in verse uh, uh, verse 10, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. So what did Solomon have? The lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. I um, withheld not my heart from uh, any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion in all my labor of all my labor. Uh, then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. 
and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. So when we understand that we are on Satan's hamster wheel running a race, and we are not doing a thing, no matter how many degrees we get, no matter how much money we get stored in the bank, no matter how many jewels and things that we buy, this American dream or whatever this world dream is, it is no profit to yourself or to God. Mm -hmm. This is foolish junk that we indulge in that we can't build with. It doesn't go anywhere. You can't take anything with you in this life. It is all for nothing. Now, the Lord will give you pleasure. I mean, but we got to understand this means nothing. So if the Lord said throw out your treasure, just throw it out. But you see, it is, it is difficult to get attached to these things or to not be attached to them. And that's why the Lord says, man, I would rather you get rid of everything and serve me. Because he knows man has a problem with idolatry. When we are fallen, we idolize things. Yeah. You know, we can even idolize marriages, our relationships, whatever it is. These things take you away from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we need to know what it is to walk with him. Amen. Verse 12, And I turn myself, and behold, wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath, which hath been already done? Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, and far as light excelleth darkness. As far as light excelleth darkness. So he understand that wisdom, you know, yeah, it goes above um, folly as far as light, you know, is greater than darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. So, you know, Solomon is somewhat is saying here that he was also foolish. You know, the wise man's eyes, they're in his head. He's seeing. He's looking around. But the fool is, you know, his mind is elsewhere. That's why when you try and tell people about the, how this world is, you see the looks that you get, you hear what they tell you, they're just not interested because their heart is here. Yep. All right, verse 15. Then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to uh, the fool, so happeneth. Oh man, one second, guys. Enemy. Excuse me. All right. All right. So then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. So you see, it happened to Solomon as it happened to the fool. So he's saying there's a fine line between the foolish and the wise. Some people think there's a big difference. No, there isn't. It depends on what you yield yourself to. You can be wise, you can be street wise, but as you are street wise, you're still a fool yeah. because you don't know God. Yep. You know, you can be wise in the Lord, but you can still be, you know, somewhat of a fool too if you decide to hang out on the other side of things. So you got to either choose one side or the other. Exactly. But God's wisdom is not man's wisdom. Man's wisdom is foolishness because it never leads him to the source of life. When Satan gave Eve the fruit, or he offered it to Eve, he offered Eve knowledge, but he took her away from the source of life. So what profit is this? Okay, now that I know good and evil, 
I'm still disconnected from my life source. So therefore, I die. But when I had the chance to live forever, so we got to understand what we're giving what for in exchange for another. Mm -hmm. All right, so he says in 16, For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man as the fool? You know, so they both die. You know, they're both not really remembered. You know, but we got to understand for what purpose we do what we do. If you're out for fortune and fame, you may as well be a fool. But if you're out to serve the Lord, then you may, you know, then be wise and do what he tells us. Because what, what God wants is greater than anything. Exactly. Verse 17. Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. So I can agree with this because, like I said, I recognize when I had the whole summer off. I remember how we were out there preaching and, you know, just serving the Lord every day, man. Every day was such a joy to just open my Bible and not have to worry about, you know, when or what I was doing. Every day I can go out there and minister, man, and I can pray as long as I want and wake up whenever I want it. And I, and I didn't recognize what I was doing. When James and I went back to work, there was this feeling of being locked in a cage. When I would listen to what they were talking about, the worldly agendas and, you know, their, their education and all this other stuff, man, I felt like a bird in a cage. I could not fly. Mm -hmm. Where last year it didn't really bother me that much, but... The closer we draw to the Lord, there's that law of liberty. Yeah. There is that need for freedom. And that's why the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But I started feeling closed in, and now I still feel grieved because I'm like, Lord, make a way that you will take care of things that I can serve you. But yeah. when you understand that all these things equal nothing, man, then you can serve the Lord effectively. But having a proper perspective, if you think there's anything good in this world, you are still putting your hope here. But when you recognize that this whole thing is evil, and it's all a game, and one way or another it is to either take you away from the Lord, or you are to do the Lord's will here, man, if you don't have that perspective, you are lost. Yes, yes Sarah. And I can actually testify to that, because when I went through that time period, those you know six weeks where I wasn't working, Man, I felt like my relationship with the Lord was so much greater, and I just felt like it was me and Him. But I won't be perfectly honest. Towards the end of it, I started getting lazy, and I wasn't doing everything that He called me to do every day. And so it was like, you know what? This is my uh, grace and mercy on you that you're not really completely ready to do this right now as you think you are, so you are going to go back to work. Uh, and you're going to labor, but you're going to be a witness while you're there. And I'm going to send you to one of the most vile places where people talk. And But that's what he's using me for now. But to be honest, it's like when I, you know, when that first happened to me, I thought I was ready. You know, when I got let go from my job for standing up for the Lord, um, I thought I was ready for that. I really, man, I was on fire, and I just wanted to go out. I wanted to talk to people. And it's not that I didn't. I did. But 
then there was a time I started getting comfortable. And I just, I wasn't going out as often as the Lord wanted me to do, wanted me to, or I wasn't fasting as much as he wanted me to during that time. And so that's just something like, that's a place of when we get to it, we got to be ready. We got to totally be ready for that. And I, I mean, I can understand that. It's not that my relationship, it did grow in the Lord, but it has to stay, you know, it has to stay grown. And now it's like, I see the, what happens when we don't stay in that it's like okay well I'm going to place you in atmosphere now it's going to be a little bit more difficult because you know where I go I mean some of the stuff that people say there it's just like man this is Satan cesspool here but it's like you know <coughs> no it's so true it's so true and that's why we got to have a proper perspective of what this world really is Yeah. verse 18 Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he uh, have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have shewed myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. So again, he's talking about what we were talking about how we see ourselves in the world, but also he said how he would leave things unto the man that would pursue him. So he understands at his old age what this whole thing is all about. And it sorrows him that other people are going to go through the same thing and, and have their chance at even falling and not pursuing the Lord. You know, there's so many things in my life I wish that I could do over again. But you know what, now that I think about it and I found the Lord and a whole world of deception and seeing how bad things are becoming, I wouldn't want to do it again. Yeah. I'm glad where I am yeah. than to know that I might have, you know, this time fallen away and not being redeemed. So we got to understand what God's grace and his mercy is exactly. that he came and found us when he did. All right, so um, verse 20. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. And there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. So we're also talking about what we've been talking about this life how we live, what we set aside for us, what we all try to attain here, it is a great evil because we start to believe in this and not what the Lord wants. For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrows and his travail grief, yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. So God will give us pleasures. He gives us things, you know, but I, you, we can even turn this, if you're a believer, into laboring for the Lord and doing what he calls but this is not what Solomon is talking about. Solomon is speaking here of what we try to obtain in the world. You know, and it is a there's nothing wrong with 
having some um, self-esteem about working and, you know, where we fall into society and do what we do. But we've got to understand that God is all in all, that we may be right and not get turned away. Verse 25, for who can eat or who else can hasten uh, hereunto more than I? So who can do more than Solomon, though he was king with unlimited riches? That's what he's asking. Verse 26, for God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. So Solomon here was making a distinction in 26 about that man of God that, you know, wants God's wisdom and God's knowledge and joy. That man is good. But to the sinner, it's kind of like what Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 and 19, that in this life only, if you have hope in Christ Jesus, that you are of all men most miserable. Because if Christ only benefits you here, then that means that you don't even understand what he wants to give you later on in life. You know, what I mean, or, you know, in eternity. So we're not just suffering or serving the Lord for here. We're serving the Lord here that we may be with him in the future. So, but to the sinner, I mean, he can enjoy life here. And after that, he goes to hell. And then he finds out this was all one big matrix, one big fantasy. Yep. Man, there's nothing more terrifying than that. Exactly. Those are the people that are going to be really offended at the end of time. Man, I thought that, you know, what I was doing was productive. So let's get a view of vanity. Let's go to 2 Kings 17, and we'll start at verse 1. But man, Solomon lays it all down. Man, that is a serious warning. That would be like Donald Trump telling you, well, more than Trump. But that would be like the Rockefellers telling you, man, you're wasting your time here with all of this. But you know what? Even they know it. But those people, that's why they call on Lucifer. You know, but those people serve Satan. They know that there's more to life than this. But they're going about it the wrong way. They're looking for eternity with the wrong God. Yeah. I, I actually believe that there's going to come a time where you can tell people that and they won't hear you because we're getting into that stage of where it said, you know, like, what is it, Second Timothy 3, you know, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Well, how much more do people need than Lucifer coming down here, putting himself on a TV show called Lucifer, and people still don't believe in God? Exactly. You know, and that's basically him mocking, saying, you know what, I could do this, and they still won't believe in you. Exactly. All right, so let's go to 2 Kings 17 and 1, and in the 12th year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hosea, or Hosea the son of Eli, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. Against him came up uh, Shalmanazar, uh, king of Assyria, and Hosea uh, became his servant and gave him presents. So you got the king of Israel, or Samaria, um, you know, uh, following King Shalmanazar, who was from Assyria. So he's joined up with him and gave him presents. 
And the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hosea, for he had sent messengers to so king of Egypt and brought no present to the king of Assyria. And he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. So you see how you can't please the devil? You come and give him presents, but now the king of Assyria found fault with you because he found out you were looking out for Egypt too, you know, or whomever. And this is how the enemy gets even with you. See, you can't appease the devil. And this is time that we wake up and see this. Verse 5, Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took um, Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Halah and in, the, and in Haber uh, by the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. For so it was that the um, children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. So we understand, too, that even for the Christian, when God came to save us, you know, in, in some ways we forget that. Even though that we're trying really hard to live as he wants us to live and do what he says, but there are times when we pleasure in some things more than him. At times we may find ourselves going back to some things that the Lord tells us to stay away from. So in, in many cases, when the Lord sets us free, he sets us free unto himself. But we go and align ourselves with some part of the world again to try and, you know, appease the Lord and you can't do it. No. So sometimes when we get set free, it's kind of like going back to Egypt to put something between you and the Lord. When, when he made you, when you were born again in him, it was you and he. All right. So verse eight and walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the king of Israel, which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all their cities from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. So they became idolaters to other kings. And there they burned incense in all the high places and did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you by my servant, the prophets. So you see, the Lord was pleading with them to change their ways, to repent, and that's why we got to be real careful with idolatry, because I think idolatry is going to be the one thing that's going to take most people out. Because an idol is anything that you put before God. Mm -hmm. Anything. Some people idolize their church more than God. Some people idolize, you know, their job more than God. Some people will go out and wash their car 
three times a week, but can't get into their Bible one day. Okay, one day a week. So these are things that the Lord looks at and that we need to pay attention to. Yep. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but harden their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he testified against them. And they followed what? Vanity. Vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning who the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. So you see... When we look at this world as Egypt or we look at this world as a whole, if it's an evil place, or we, if we are trying to be like the world, we are doing the very same thing. Now, you had Daniel that was in, you know, Babylon, and Daniel was in um, uh, Persia. You know, so there are always places where you'll find the people of God at. But remember, those people were preaching against a lot of things is what put them on a collision course with it. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to live in this world, fine, but don't be of it. Preach the gospel and, and acknowledge the Lord in all of his ways mm -hmm. that people may know who you serve. It is important to be in places that people know that you are a child of God. Amen. Because if we are the light and salt of the earth, that is where we need to be. But if we go after vanity, we will be like the very thing that we're supposed to be separate from. And this is how the church has gotten sucked in. Instead of God being the head of the church, the world is the head of the church. Yep. So we need to be careful with this. And that's why these holidays that they're doing and all this stuff in church, man, you don't understand what you're doing. You are worshiping another God. You can't Christianize that garbage. So people want to understand that you offend the Lord when you partake in the ways of the world. Mm -hmm. All right, you want to work, work, but let people know who your God is. Mm -hmm. And if it costs you your job, you know what? Let the chips fall where they may. But you only here for one reason, and that is to do his will. That's right. All right, so let's move on. I want to go to Proverbs uh, 21. And um, let's see. Yeah, Proverbs 21. And we'll uh, start at verse 1. Proverbs 21 and 1. Everybody there? All right. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. If you want to help people in this world or you want to play a part in um, politics, then pray, pray for the Lord to change the heart over those who rule. Now, Derek Prince made a good point. He said that if you were to, um, the one who knows how to pray, he's the one that rules the world. And I agree with that because you got these witches and these warlocks, you know, they're turning the government and praying against the government, trying to get them to do their will. Well, if we're going to do the right thing, then we need to pray that the Lord changes the heart of people, that some laws and things may go in our favor to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. But it is not to turn this world around that we may be a part of it. Exactly. You know, verse 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. 
So you see, every man may have his way, but the Lord is looking at even the heart of what we call righteous works. Because a lot of the times we can look at things and think we're doing a godly thing, and the Lord is looking at your black heart saying, you did this for you. You know, so we got to be pure of heart. Verse three, to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. You know, and then when we go down and read this, it's kind of like Solomon again saying, all is vanity. So we've got to be careful in what motive we do things because we don't want vanity to take us. Right. And high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to uh, plenty, uh, plenteousness, uh, but to everyone that is hasty, only uh, only to want. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. So you see, vanity can also be, you know how people, what they would do to even get the job. You know, or to get an apartment. Have you ever been evicted? No. That's vanity. You know, knowing that you truly have. Or to try and go after things. You say all the right things. Put down you work places that you never worked. And then talking about you can't find a phone number and you hope that they don't call them. But these things are vanity because you're going after things in the wrong heart. Yeah. You're pursuing things that are not of the Lord. So he says that the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity toss to and fro to them that seek death. Because Jesus said at the end, remember, the fearful and the unbelieving and all those and all liars and those who pleasure in lying will have their part in the lake that burneth with fire. We better be real careful with what we consider jokes and lies. We better be real clear with what we believe is the truth because yeah. even lying is a part of vanity. Mm -hmm. Think about it. It has to be. You lie because of what? You want to be accepted. Mm -hmm. You want people to look good or you want to obtain that thing, not in God's wisdom, but for what you can get for yourself. So you see, even vanity is behind lying. Yeah. Because if you didn't care what people thought of you, you would just tell the truth, you know, and let the chips fall. But when people lie, it's because you want something for you, making you what? Vain. Yep. So that's something we need to think about. No, you're right. Let's move on. Let's go to Isaiah 41 and verse 17. Yep. I mean, those things are so obvious, especially like when you go to work. You mm -hmm. know, uh, and even when showing gratitude towards people for helping, you have to make sure that you're not doing it out of self-gratification as well mm -hmm. and because it's so it's so easy to, to happen on just about everything that we do now it's like if you're saying to someone thank you for your help or you know whatever it's just making sure that it never like comes back on us you know that is exactly why what the Lord wants us to be email water but that is exactly why the Lord tells us that he wants us to seek and hunger after righteousness or thirst after it so we can be filled. It is important that we empty ourselves so that God can fill us. But when you lie, you're vain. 
Yes. You know, because you don't think God can give it to you, so I'm going to do it for me. Yes. That's why he tells us, man, to empty yourself, that he can fill you. But he's not going to fill a pitcher that wants to fill itself. Yes. There's no need. All right, Isaiah 41 and 17. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. See? I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because, you know, we've all been in this place of not having. And God has only shown himself that he can be that source of life no matter where we are. That's right. 19. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, uh, the shitter tree and the myrtle, uh, and the oil tree. I will set in the desert uh, the fir tree, and the pine, and the box tree together. So that's awesome how, you know, in the middle of the desert, the Lord will give these things life. And that's speaking of you and I, that they may see, and know, and consider, and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this, and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. Produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reason, saith the king of Jacob. Let them bring them forth and shew us what shall happen. Let them shew the, the former things, uh, what they be, uh, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them or declare us things for to come. Shew the things that are to come hereafter that we may know that we are gods, yea, do good, uh, or do evil, that we may be dismayed and behold it together. So when it says gods, it's not talking about being those gods. Gods can even be like lords or those who do the will of the Lord. It's not speaking of being the Lord or being gods ourselves, but saying that God can use us, that we may do his will. Right. But notice how when you hear the word gods, it says do good or do evil. So you see, you can make anything your God, just as like what um, Satan offered Adam and Eve. He tricked them because he wasn't talking about being... See, Satan spoke with a double tongue because he said, you shall be as gods, but God doth know that in the day you eat, you'll be as gods. They thought if he was talking about be like God, but he didn't realize that they would govern themselves because they were now um, disconnected from the source of life, mm -hmm. that they were fallen. So, see, the devil spoke with a double tongue. You know, one minute he's like, oh, well, you will be as gods. They were thinking, oh, like God. But when they partook of the fruit, they were ashamed because they recognized that they were now wretched and separate from their source of life. Yep. And the devil will trick you. Verse 24, behold, ye are of nothing. And your work is not an abomination, and he that chooseth you. I have raised up one from the north, and he shall come from the rising of the sun. Shall he call upon my name, and he shall come upon princes, and upon mortar, and as the potter treadeth clay. Who hath declared from the beginning that we may know, and before time that we may say he is righteous? Yea, there is none that sheweth, yea, there is none 
that declareth, yea, there is none that heareth your words. So no matter where Isaiah went, these people weren't listening to the Lord. We're going to find out what the problem is. Verse 27, the first shall say to Zion, behold, behold, behold them, and I will give to Jerusalem one that bringeth good tidings. For I beheld, and there was no man even among them, and there was no man, there was no counselor that when I asked of them uh, could answer a word. Behold, they are all what? Vanity. Vanity. Their works are nothing. Their molten images are wind and confusion. Now going back to how that guy explained the wind, you can't catch the wind, you know, but everything is in confusion. The wind blows wherever it must go. So you can't capture those things. And he's saying that this is why they could not find any righteous men. When God is looking for righteous men, the reason he can't find them is because they are going after things that don't profit. They're going after the wind. They're going after the world. They're going after things that are just not of God. And see, this is where the confusion is. Because once you understand that this world is wicked, that confusion leaves you. Right. And you start to have a straight path towards God. So what does the devil do? Put more entertainment in your life. Put more things around you to keep you from focusing on what is necessary. It's kind of like somebody... Um, I want to make a comparison to this, but... Um, you ever know like those jokes that friends would tell you back in the days? Where they would... Um, Whatever it was, it was the point was the main thing, but they'll take you rabbit into trail. all this. What is it? A rabbit trail. Right, but they'll take you into all this other stuff to throw you off with the riddle. Yeah. But they gave you the answer, but it comes back to what the what the main thing was. I can't think of an example right now, but this is how the devil plays with you. Like he'll tell you, you know, you can have this, you can have that, you can have that. And then it's like, all right, but the the main thing is the couch, all right? But he's taking you all around the room, but, you know, the couch was the main thing that you should have been sitting on and focused on. Yeah. But it's kind of like the enemy will take you all over the world, but what, you, what he's trying to make you miss out on is, why am I here? What is my purpose? You know, God's way is right. So the devil has to entice us away from the truth. Mm -hmm. But when we keep our eyes, like Jesus said, single-eyed and focused on what he wants, the devil can't do anything with you. Jesus stayed focused to the Father no matter what the devil offered him. He could not bring vanity in the midst of the Lord. That's right. The Lord was too focused on the goal. And the devil fears a person like that. Let's go to Isaiah 44 and 1. And then we're going to hit the New Testament. Man, I wish I had a better example for that, though. But you guys know what I'm talking about. But they take you all around. They'll say, like, if this is a this, and that is a that. and then, But you start looking for everything else when they told you the answer in the first word, yeah. you know, or two. So it's that sort of thing. Oh, like the baseball joke. You know, when they say, such and such is on this, this one's on second base, that one's on third, but who was on whatever? Yeah. And then you're like... Yeah, who? They gave him the answer. It was who. But you're still thinking about, wait, who's on first? Who's on second base? So you see what I'm saying? It's like breaking things down to simplicity. And that's why Paul talked about the minds that would be corrupted 
from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. People start going all over the world. And it's like, man, stay focused on the goal. Stay focused on the Lord. All right, so Isaiah 44. You going to say something? No. Oh, okay. Isaiah 44 and 1. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeserun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessings upon thine offspring. So once again, you see the Lord talking about this water for them that are thirsty. You know what thirsty people are? You know what people that hunger and thirst after righteousness are? Those are people that wait on the Lord. What did Paul say? I have a crown of righteousness laid up for me, and not for me only, but for all them that long for his appearing. Mm -hmm. So when you long for the appearance of Christ, he's your life source. So you don't want what the world has to offer. He is everything to you. So the Lord promises that he will give to those who don't have. Because you're looking for him. You're not looking for the world. You know, out of his belly will flow what? Rivers of living water. Verse 4. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses, and shall say, I am the Lord's, like I belong to him. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his um, hand unto the Lord and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And who as, and who as I shall call and shall declare it, and set it in order of for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming and shall come, let them shew unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, no, there, um, there is no God. I know not any. So the Lord is answering that question. No matter what, no matter how dim things seem, remember this. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me, there is no God. So you know what a worldly person thinks? There is a God. You might be God, but God, you got to understand, I need this, 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 and this. So when the Lord would tell some of us at the end whose hearts are not right, or if he were to just say, enter into the joy of the Lord or his rest, we would be trying to take our TV, couch, internet, career, their office. The Lord's like, man, you don't have need of that. You're working for me. But we would try and take everything in if our minds are not single, yeah. that there is only one Lord that can give us everything we need in the desert. That's right. Verse 9. They that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit, and they are their own witnesses. They see not, they see, they see not, nor know that they may be ashamed. So they glory in their shame. But you see, they're not God's witnesses. 
they are their own witnesses. So it's important that we serve the Lord and do what he calls because he will meet every need. But you see what the vain person will do? Set up images. Delectable things shall not profit. And they're their own witnesses. So if you want to stand for yourself in this world, have at it. Because you see the devil destroyed everyone that he built up. Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Elvis, you name it. The devil has destroyed them. Look at Usher now. Life is destroyed. Nobody even wants to be with him. But at one point, he was like, you know, that heartthrob for all the girls. Now he's looking like he's almost 50. I mean, you know, it's just so funny how the devil just tears people up. Yeah. He'll chew you up and spit you out and let you be by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I hope he gets saved. I hope Usher comes to the Lord. But you see, it is up to us to say, you know what? He's not too big that we can't preach to him. Yeah. It is up to us to show mercy unto all people that they might come in. Exactly. Because all of us were a fool at some point in our lives. That's right. Exactly. But it was his mercy that came and found us. Let's go to Matthew 6. I know we end up here one way or another because the words of the Lord are just so clear. That's right. Man, the, Matthew 6, the whole chapter is on vanity. Yeah. The whole thing, when he tells you how not to pray, don't be praying in the streets so that people may see you so you appear to be something that you're not. You know, don't make lengthy prayers trying to be seen. See, all these things we've got to be aware of because yeah. that is vanity. I want people to see how good I teach, how good I pray, how good I do this. Vanity. So you see how that can even come into the church? These are things that we got to be aware of. Mm -hmm. Let's start at verse 20 or 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. So right away the Lord is here speaking of what Solomon was speaking of. If you can't keep anything here, why even waste your time? You know, this is what he's telling you. Hey, thieves will come and get your goods here. You know, you don't have you can just leave it to itself and it's gonna corrupt and your clothes are gonna be moth eaten. So lay up for yourselves treasures, verse twenty, where um where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, nor where thieves do not break through and steal. And where, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, and therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. See? Single, focused on the tree of life. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? That tells us right there, you can long for so many things that you think are profitable, but in the end, if it doesn't mean anything, you are working for nothing. Exactly. Verse 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, 
neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Uh, which of you, by, um, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? So if you listen to the words of the Lord here, he's putting us back in the desert, showing you that if you are here, I can take care of every single need. Mm -hmm. He brings us right back to the very wilderness that he took the children of Israel, that he may be that pillar of fire by night and that cloud of smoke by day. Yep. He is all that we need. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spend. It's true. You don't find any living thing in this world saving anything except maybe the ant, you know, and that's at a certain season. But you find everything living and growing. No matter how much cold goes out there on the trees and they lose their leaves, God every spring makes sure that those trees come right back to life. So we need to rely on him. He truly is the source of life. Yep. And yet I say unto you, look at the Lord. Look at how this comes together. That even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall ye not much more? Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, or wherewithal what ye shall be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. So you see, the Gentiles are the world people. This is how they live. This is why God makes us separate from them. 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, I mean, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow uh, shall shall um, take thought uh, for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So if you are worrying about yourself from day to day, that is vanity. That is how the Gentiles walk. And this is what the Lord is telling us. Don't worry about these things. I've got you. Mm -hmm. But what did he say to do? First seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. So we are laying up treasures while we do the Lord's work, we are laying up treasures in heaven <clears throat> that we can have forever and not be like the world. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, we'll start at 11. Man, the Lord is just, you know, trying to drill this home for us all that we might get it. Absolutely. Because we hear him, you know, and we believe some of it, but not really. You know what I'm saying? There's still part of the world that we're hanging on to, on to and he's trying to pry those little fingers back, you know, to the point to where we decide to fall and let him catch us. Yep. All right, Ephesians 4. We'll start at verse 11. 
I'm in Galatians 4, looking for Ephesians 4. All right, Ephesians 4 and 11, and it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we're only given these things that we may grow in Christ. These men are, are definitely have to be men of God, but they are to perfect us that we may do the work ourselves. And see, there's going to come a point where we are going to be set aside to Christ, and he's going to call us to move. He's given all of us the green light when we get full of his spirit to go out there and do it. Because he doesn't, I mean, he's not for, he's not against teachers and prophets and evangelists, but some people will eventually over years start to rely on them and not rely on the Lord. Yeah. So you see how once again we can get caught up in this instead of doing what he's telling us to do. So it's important that we trust in him. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, this measure of stature of the fullness of Christ is what the enemy is trying to snuff out in you every day. Yep. He does not want you to reach this point to where Jesus had told the devil or told his disciples, you know, I have overcome the world. When he told them that the ruler of this world comes and has nothing in me, this is where the devil wants us to be relying on the world and not on the Lord. Look at verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. So the Lord wants us to be able to discern when we are walking in vanity, when we are going the wrong way, when we are partaking in false doctrine. He wants us to be able to know when we are off track. Because children go off track. Mature people in the stature of Christ walk as Christ walked. You know, you know, Jesus wanted nothing here. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual workings of the measure of every part making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So he's talking about the body, which is the whole, all of us, being fitly joined together <coughs> that we might edify in love. Now again, that is loving the Lord and loving our neighbor. If we love our neighbor, you know that there's things that we are going to do. If we have not been perfected in love, you know that there are things that we will not do. Okay, so this is all about getting to the fullness, the stature of Christ, not being children, being mature, that we may walk as Jesus walked. But look at verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated, from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. So you see, this is the same thing we were talking about, what Solomon was mentioning, about walking as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Understanding darkened. 
You're blinded by the world. You don't under, you don't see. But he says alienated from the life of God. What Satan did to Adam and Eve. What the devil tries to do in vanity to you and I. He's trying to alienate you from the source of life. So this is what vanity does. Verse 19. But being who being past feeling have given themselves over. So he's talking about those who are alienated. Who being past given um, themselves over to lasciviousness, lustful and wanting desires to work all uncleanness with greediness. If we don't think that some of this isn't still in us, think again. Because this is why we don't love our neighbor, right? To dedicate our lives to preaching the gospel day in and day out. If that was really, if we truly loved the way Christ loved, we wouldn't be sitting in a nine to five. Mm -hmm. Well, we were, we would be there until we got fired. This is what the Lord is working out in us, that we may serve him effectively. Yeah. Because greediness is why, you know, or lasciviousness we're longing for something outside of the desire of the Lord. And that's okay because we recognize this. We're just asking the Lord to teach us, show us that we may be like him. Mm -hmm. But we got to understand first where we are weak. Why do we do what we do in this world? To achieve a better life for us, not for other people. We're not going to school for other people. We're not pulling down sums of money for other people. We're doing it for us. Right. So the Lord is trying to get us out of self that we may do for others. And pretty soon we're not going to have a choice because the world's going to leave us. Mm -hmm. You know, we ain't got to leave the world. It's soon going to drop you. Yeah. You are either going to receive a mark or you're not. But you ain't going any further than here. See, And that's going to be good because that's going to purge the church clean. Verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. So we got to understand everything that was mentioned here. This is how the worldly people live. This is how we live to a degree. But Paul is saying, hey, all those things are opposite of Jesus. Ye have not so learned Christ. Then he says, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off um, concerning the former conversation, meaning lifestyle, of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, the things that we want, that vanity that Solomon was talking about, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, whereof putting away lying, remember Solomon talked about that, and vanity, Speaking every man truth to his neighbor. Remember the double-hearted people that he was talking about? Mm -hmm. How they would speak. Remember, it was in Psalms. We were talking about how people won't tell the truth right. because they're vain. Then he spoke of, um, uh, for uh, we are all members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. So you see, we have to be aware of when we're giving place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the, the good, I mean the thing which is good that we, that we may have to give to him that needeth. So, you know, the Bible talks about further down in 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, 
that it may minister grace to the hearers. So if we are aside from vanity, we can love our neighbor, right? And more importantly, love God and seek him. Mm -hmm. Because if we're disconnected from the lifeline, all this is for nothing. You know, and we're going to hear it from our master. Tell us this. Let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, we'll start at verse 20. I'm going to close in a few. You know, these are good reminders. I'm not trying to beat anybody down, but these are good reminders so that we don't fall victim to this stuff. Thank you. All right. Matthew 16, we'll start at verse 20. Remember, this is when Jesus came back from um, uh, after he was uh, talking to them. On, um, I think this was the Mount of Transfiguration. That's right before it. Oh, right before it. Okay. So he was here um, telling them, who do they say he is? So once he had revealed himself to them, and he told them who he was. Then he says in verse 20, then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Christ, Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So we understand as Jesus walked, this is how we ought to because this false harlot church is who's going to come against you and I. When the gifts begin to manifest and the Lord begins to show us and people are beginning to see that we are the ones that are holding the truth mm -hmm. and believing in God's word, not of the world, that system is going to turn on you. Mm -hmm. Like Joe Osteen and I heard Pastor Price say, and I agree, Joe Osteen was telling everybody, have your best life now, every day is Friday and all this. But now that the, the thing hit in Houston, he closed his doors. So everybody's beginning to see this guy of who he is. You can't lie to people anymore. Every day is not Friday. You know, all these things, my life is hell. All these things are going on. So now what? See, so you, when you teach false gospel, it's going to come to an end. And then people are going to seek the truth in what you were saying all along. That you cannot have treasure here, no matter how hard you try. Exactly. All right, so the point is, verse 22, uh, Then Peter talk, uh, took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So the Lord knew what his purpose was. This was a little bit of vanity. I think that Peter was trying to throw on the Lord. Lord, I want you to love us, love this life. We love you, you know, and don't think of yourself suffering. Jesus is saying to him in so many words, man, this is why I came. This is my purpose. It wasn't so you and I can shoot the breeze together. It's so I might prepare you that you might go. So when we become anointed in Christ, it is important that we do not waste time. You weren't given the Holy Ghost to go to a picnic. You were given the Holy Ghost to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to set the captives free, to bind up the broken heart, to heal them that are bruised, that people may know Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. And so um, with this as well, you know, 
when you talk to people about what's going on in the world today and how the last days are among us and everything and how we need to get right with the Lord, and all of a sudden they think that you're you're talking about being depressed. Yeah. Or this is so sad or you shouldn't talk that way and whatnot because what's going on is not being talked about anymore. That's right. They're not bringing people to the truth. And this is why you got a lot of newborn babes in Christ. We got a lesson coming up on that. Mm -hmm. You know, this is verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That is a lesson for all of us yep. that we need to understand. If you are coming my way, you yourself have to be denied. Because if not, there is vanity. Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or who shall, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Going right back to what Solomon was saying. A vexation of spirit that we don't want to come our way. You know, um, Luke 14, I just want to bring this point up again because every time I read it, it helped me, you know, but it's just something to really think about. Luke 14 and get 1 Corinthians 9. So Jesus says, uh, this is verse 26, Luke 14 and 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Mm -hmm. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus is hardcore. He said, mother, wife, children, brethren. He doesn't mean hate them, but these things can't stand in the way of him. Exactly. You know, and coming unto him. But see, in every single thing he named, you can find vanity in this. And that's why he says in 28, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? So you see, this goes back to vanity. Solomon now would throw everything away to have followed the Lord. But his heart at that time was so far from the Lord that all he could do was warn other people. But you see, this is the goal, is to be with him. Look at all the Lord wants you to forsake. Then we got a question or not. If we got a problem with this, do we serve the right Jesus? Are we talking about the same Lord? Do we love him? Because this is what it's going to come down to. We are growing in grace. But this is what the Lord has said. This is in red letter. He's not making this up. He's not saying this any other way than he meant for it to be said. Exactly. If you come after me, you've got to take up your cross. Because there's too many things out here that will pull you away. And he knows that. That's why he gave them a stiff, you know, hey, this is it. Yeah. Peter, if you want to go back to your wife, go ahead. But I'm telling you now, remember when the man said, Oh, what about my father? i got to bury him. Let the dead bury their dead, 
and come and do what I'm telling you to do. Man, this life is so important. We can't afford, we can't afford to waste it. It is that important. It's just like with Henry Gruber. He's married, but he sees his family like once or twice a year because he's doing the Lord's will, and they're okay with that. I mean, they got to be, right? Well, they have to be. Yeah, exactly. Either that or he's going his way, but <laughs> exactly. that's how it has to be. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, let's see, First Corinthians 9. I think I might just leave it. You know, i got to go there. 1 Corinthians 9, we'll start at verse, uh, let's start at verse 14. 1 Corinthians 9 and 14, and it says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that uh, they preach the gospel, should live of the gospel. But I say, use none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die, than than that than that any man should make my glorying of void. See, uh, for though I preach of the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So you see, he's not looking for a reward. This is my duty. This is why I'm here, not for vain glory. Verse seventeen. For if I do this uh, thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, uh, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. So even Paul being a disciple was concerned about not going too far, but staying on task. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, to them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. So Paul became all things to all men, as he said, because he wanted people saved. To the so, And you know, also, I'm looking at it like he came to these people because he himself didn't want to be vain. It's just like if we were to go to a house, all right, and these people are Christian, but they pray with their heads covered. If you were to come to their house and this is how they do it and they take off their shoes, do it. What's the point of saying, I'm better than you? If it's not forsaking the Lord or doing something crazy, just do it. Yeah. You know, all right, this is the tradition. <clears throat> Excuse me. I could be all things to all men, cover my head, take my shoes off and pray. It's for the edifying of what people need. Yeah. But some people will be vain. We don't need to do that. My way is better than yours. And now what do you have? Contention. Yeah. You know, things that should not be. No profit in you not having your head uncovered. I mean, if that's the way they do it and that's the way they want it, hey, man, this ain't no big deal to me. When I leave, I'm taking it off. But it's not being a phony. It's just saying what things are profitable and what things aren't. Right. 
you get caught up in yourself, man. You're against God. Verse 22, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, not for his own, mm -hmm. that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, uh, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. To every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So if you're striving for masteries and things of this world, and those things are temperate. Those things aren't permanent. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an uncorruptible. So you see, the corruptible crown is you being the best you can here. What did Jesus say? Those things, the moth and rust, corrupt those. Mm -hmm. But he's striving for an uncorruptible one that no man can take away. Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. So you see, he's not going, he's not going for nothing. He's not striving for nothing. He's going after that which is most important. 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul feared vanity. Paul feared going off track. He needed to keep up under the temple that the temple may be of the Lord. Exactly. Now, we don't need to go to um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, but remember what the Bible says about godliness with gain. A gain, um, what is it? Uh, godliness with gain. Contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Yeah. He said that those that would believe that godliness, um, that gain is godliness, oh no. Contentment with godliness is great gain. Mm -hmm. He said, "You can take nothing with you, and you can, um, you know, nothing you brought into this world, so you can't take anything with you." So, you know, that was Paul again warning. All right, so first, um, uh, Ecclesiastes twelve, and I'm done. We're gonna end it how we began it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. People hate these messages. These are the ones that get the least amount of views. I don't want to change. But if you just start talking about the love of the Lord and all that, oh, and you get 2,000 views. One hour. It comes down to that. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Ecclesiastes 12 and 1. So this is the end of all that Solomon had to say. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, uh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. So there's going to come a point where you're going to recognize, man, this is all boring. I got no pleasure in this stuff anymore. But he says, remember thy creator. Jesus Christ the righteous. Verse 2. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, 
and those that look out of the window be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of uh, music shall be brought low. So this is the end. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, the fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be, shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because men goeth to his, to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Or even the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken as a fount at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. So understand here this silver cord, because you get a lot of people that are going to astral projection in the New Age, and that's that's satanic. Mm -hmm. But um, he's talking about when you finally leave this world, there is a silver cord which connects your spirit with your um, body or your soul to the body. When that cord is taken away or it's broken or the Lord is finally calling for your soul, this is what he's talking about. Once that cord is broken, once you've done all you can do in this life, once it's all said and done, this is what he's getting to right now, that we're going to find out what is most important. So this is what he's referring to. He's, he's pondering his life. He's going over life. This man had all wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding. But he's saying, man, when I have reached the end, this is what you're going to find is more important than anything else. Mm -hmm. All right, so verse 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. That's where all spirits are going. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads, and the nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. So you know that he's saying, like, you know, that we ought to stay on the truth, you know, and stay where we need to be concerning him. And further by these, my son, be admonished, be warned of making many books. There is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. So you see, out there obtaining all this useless knowledge, these things will weary your flesh. And this is why you get a lot of people saying, oh, well, I respect the Bible and its wisdom, but I also respect what Buddha wrote, what Krishna wrote, what the, what the Muslim Quran is. And all. They think that they're gaining something, like they're completing the spectrum, when really they're being taken away from the truth and being led unto a bunch of other information. We need to be single-eyed, like the Lord said. Exactly. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So he says, guys, I said this, just, I said all of this from chapters 1 to 12, just to tell you this one thing. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment 
with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So that's something to think about. All that Solomon said, all that we read tonight goes into one thing. Fear the Lord. That's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, stay with God, stay with Jesus Christ, and keep the commandments of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because when we kiss this world goodbye, there will be nothing else that matters. There are no unbelievers beyond the grave. Nope. On this side of things, you got Buddhists, you got Hindus, you got, um, you know, Muslims. You got everything. You got atheists. But, man, when that silver cord breaks and they go on into eternity, there's no unbelievers beyond the grave. Every single one of them know that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what we ought to do is don't let vanity get the best of us. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments because in the end, that is the only thing that profits in this life. So that's the lesson for tonight. You know, hopefully we got an understanding of what vanity is, what it does, and how we need to, you know, be covered from it. And that's why we have the helmet of salvation. We've got the shield of faith. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the belt that will gird up our loins with truth. Every day we prepare our feet with the gospel of peace. And more importantly, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying in all supplication, you know, and, and doing what is necessary that we may not be infiltrated. Because that's what this world truly stands for. Amen. So that's the lesson. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Whoever's up is up. All right. Let's go to Second Peter three and one. That's a good one. I had that on the list too, but I didn't know. I didn't pull the trigger. Dude. Right. <laughs> All right, Second Peter three and one. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up in you pure minds, your pure minds, by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the word which were spoken unto, spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandments of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers, walking after their own lust. Now, if we looked at what that word scoffers means, mockers. Verse 4, and saying, Where is this promise? Where is the promise of his, of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So, like he's saying, everything goes around in its cycle. Okay? Now, the heathens were doing this back in the children of Israel's day. And they've been doing this for such a long time. But what an issue that we're having with today, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, is that there's no more real black, uh, black and whites between who's a believer and who's not. The line is very gray. And even people in church today are now saying this. Where is this God that, you know, that was promised of his coming? And I'm 
we're hearing this all the time now for a specific reason, and I'm going to get there in a minute. Well, let's continue on in verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Okay, so I just want to stop there because the reason why I went into this is because some of the some of the conversations, especially today, that I overheard while I was at work about um, people not sure if they believe in hell or some of the false religions that they've gotten into or some of the things that they, you know, heard at church concerning the Bible. And one young lady that I, I talked to yesterday about some things, and uh, she was never raised in church. And she never read the Bible, but her uh, ex takes their son to church. And, you know, she didn't have some understanding. So I talked to her about some things. And, you know, I told her about what the Bible says and how, you know, the higher-ups that serve Satan are trying to hide these things from people now. And I told her, though, I said, however, I said, one of the biggest reasons why people today don't want to come to know Jesus Christ I said, because it's people like me and who believe the same as me. It's our fault. And she kind of gave me this strange look like, why would it be your fault? And I said to her, because the people out there coming wanting to know Jesus Christ are going to people expecting them to have the answers, but they don't have them. They don't have the answers that they need. And then she, she kind of understood what I was saying when I said that. But it's like, man, when... The church as a whole today, and I'm saying this in all love and mercy, is a joke. And I'm just, you know, it's like, when do we get to the end of playing around with God? When do we get to the end of ourselves and everything that we got going on in our lives? And I'm putting myself, I'll be the first one to throw myself under the spiritual bus. You know, it's like, the Lord gives us all these gems and all this knowledge in His Word. But, like it was being talked about tonight... We become self-idolaters. You know, it's like we have the answers right here. But when you hear all the stuff that people are saying today, it says it right here. But why are they saying it? Because those of us who know Jesus Christ, are not, we're doing this world an injustice by not going out and telling people about Jesus Christ because of all the things that we have going on in our lives. And it's about, you know, it's like it's, it's just about time that it's like, that's got to be done and over with. You know, like Pastor Price said, man, we're a joke. <laughs> because it's like, you know, we sit in church for how long? Doing all this Bible study. Hey, the answers of this are here and here and here. And we constantly are looking for an opportunity to tell people about the Lord. But it's not always going to come gift wrap falling in your lap. Exactly. We got to do the effort too. And it was weird how I came up asking talking to that girl yesterday because i thought i overheard something that the the i believe the lord allowed me to hear and i asked her about it and she she went off and telling me that but you know some of the stuff that i hear at work i i'm i'm hearing this and it's like they work up above me and it's a graded floor so i can hear their conversations and i'm just like oh my goodness and they're getting this at a place that's supposed to be a church so we constantly got to understand, just because somewhere's a church, and because somewhere has a pastor, doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is there. Doesn't mean that they're preaching about the right Jesus. And this is something that we constantly have to have in us. That if we don't know this word for ourselves, then 
not only can we get led astray, but we can't rightly help people who are led astray and to bring them into the truth. Because, I mean, it's, it's just really upsetting. And this is why we also have to stay true in the Lord, because if everything around us falls apart, where does our faith in the Lord stand? You know, it's like, do we stand with Him? Because, I mean, we, we are all fallible man. So, our trust is only in the Lord if everything else falls apart. That is where it stands. And, you know, that's... hate to be all... <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to be all excited, but that's just, you know... I hear these things and I'm like, hey, you know, it, it pricks me. And that's where, like you're saying tonight, we can't get comfortable we got to have that disappointment in our lives. we got to have the Lord constantly saying, Hey, if you're not one with me, then you're, you're one with Satan. Because the ones that the Lord is serious about, you know, He wants you to see. He wants to see how far you're going to really go with Him. Right, you exactly. Know? If you're going to quit, you might as well quit now. Yeah. You know, then waste this time. For it's real. True. Yeah. All right. We'll go to 2 Corinthians 9. touching the ministering to the saints it is superfluous for me to write to you for I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal hath provoked very many yet have I sent the brethren lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf that as I said ye may be ready Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. <laughs> Pretty much right, the same thing. Wow. <laughs> Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. Whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. So, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So, in this, um, this is like the true heart that we should have. And like, if we're really serving the Lord... This is something that, you know, it's not going to be hard to do. It's just what's in our heart to, like, give and go and fight for every opportunity to do good, you know? Amen. Exactly. And, and when you're, and that's, that's what makes it really bountifully, you know? That's, that's how people know it's genuine, you know? Mm -hmm. You're not, like, expecting to really receive anything back. It's just mm -hmm. something that you know, but really... Mm -hmm. You're pushing so hard and working for the Lord that you, you don't even think about those things. It's just the abundance of your heart, you know? It's true. All right. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So God loves someone that's happy in what they do and giving. Yeah. 
And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that he always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Amen. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. So yeah, um, this ministering of the seed, not just for food, but also for what we're we're reaping in our mm-hmm. seed, um, and it's increasing the fruits like in us, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, and out of us. Amen. You know, like other people getting that salvation. Yep. You know? Amen. Exactly. Amen. Uh, sometimes I forget, you know, like the the fruits that we are given that are inside of us are for others. You know, mm-hmm. it's not for us to just like you're saying, just indulge in it mm-hmm. ourselves. You know, that's what mm-hmm. the enemy wants us to sit on our fruits so they spoil, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. You know what happened to the man that did that? Store all his goods in the barn. Like, yeah. li- no fool. <laughs> this night will I require thy life. <laughs> yep. That's true. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Um, so us being enriched in this, I don't know, like freedom um, and in our heart and like the fruits that we get and the fruits that we give, it's giving God thanks. You know, mm-hmm. we, we thank the Lord because of it. Like we're happy. We're blessed. And the fact that we just give. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the wants of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. While by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you which long after you have exceeding you have exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Amen. Alright. Um I'm gonna have us jump over into Colossians three. So mine's titled, Seek the Things Which Are Above. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So mm-hmm. that single-mindedness that mm-hmm. we're talking about, that's all the time where our mind should be. That's right. Right there with Jesus and God. Amen. Um, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, because this earth is going to burn up. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify. So it's interesting that it says mortify, mm-hmm. because that clearly shows that, you know, our groups, <laughs> our members are living. <laughs> it's true. The Bibles are falling. <laughs> so our members are alive, and that sin is going to rage up, you know, inside of us because mm-hmm. we are flesh. Mm-hmm. 
and it's it's a lot of the world just being around the world and those influences and you can feel them and then but the thing is if we're led by the spirit we're not obeying those things regardless if we are inside these flesh suits or not you know Amen. so we and and the lord he's not going to give us anything that's too much for us to be able to handle inside of our members mm-hmm. so if we yield it's a choice that's right um, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanliness inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry so like he said idolatry is going to slay a lot of people and all of these things are of the world which leads to idolatry for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience and the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them but now ye also put off all these anger wrath malice blasphemy filthy communication out of your mouth lie not one to another seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. Mm-hmm. Where there is no neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, scapian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. So those are more of those fruits that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. It's interesting, like forgiving. You know, that's something that we also have to give. Amen. One another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ gave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. Amen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So I just want to jump down to 22 and then I'm done. And then, well, all right. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. So whatever we're doing, whatever kind of work, we're not doing it for people. Like We have to remember that. And God is right there all the time, yep. right next to you. He sees everything from the heavens. So Amen. just do it for him with a giving and loving heart. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. And those are the things above that we're actually waiting for that are going to be so much better than anything here. Mm-hmm. But he that doth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Amen. God is there for real, you know. He's a fair God. The one thing he will do is what he said. That was awesome how you both like were right on it as far as you know, the old and the new and being like Christ. Yeah. Because it's true. All that matters in the end is that we fear the Lord and keep His commandments. That's right. The fear of the Lord is those things that will keep you obedient as well. You know? Vanity will tell you you're better than God. Only a fool would think that. All right, so who's praying out tonight? Yeah. 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 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time, Lord, that you brought us all here together to minister, Father, for the perfecting of your saints. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, throughout our ministry, throughout this world, throughout your body of Christ, there are all kinds of positions, but all for your purpose, Lord Jesus. So thank you for developing the fruits of life in us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As we just continue to grow inside this walk, Lord, and just follow you in spirit and in truth, because we know that against the truth, we really can do nothing, Lord, except for serve it and live by it, Lord. And in that, we have true life. We have true renewal, Lord Jesus. So I just pray through us, Lord, through you, that we are just reaching people, Lord Jesus. And people are being drawn into the truth, Lord, as we're a light in the world for the Gentiles, Lord Jesus. And there is no more, Lord, no more separation between it, Lord. But everyone needs to be baptized under one spirit, Father. And we just thank you for pouring your spirit out, you know, over our city, Lord Jesus. And we just believe that you're moving, Lord. And as these end times are growing closer and closer, Father, you're just guiding us and directing us every step of the way, Lord. And this sickness that is coming over or trying to come over the body, Lord, we just bind it and rebuke it, Father. We just pray for restoration and, and a restoring, Lord. And Lord, just fill us up with your waters, Lord, so we may be filled with you, Lord, and not thirsty and not hungry, but hungry and thirsty just for you, Lord. And just clear out the ways of the world and our life. Reveal to us the secret dark parts, Lord. You weigh our hearts, Father, so just let us know if we're ever in error, if we're walking outside, just pull us right back on the right, the straight and narrow, Father. And Lord, I just want to I just want to lift up the people right now, Lord, that are just going through a rough season, Father. And as winter is approaching, Lord, we just pray that our trials, Lord, are not going to be in the winter. But even if they do come, Lord, we can remain strong, grounded and rooted in you, Lord. Just knowing and being rejoicing in full hope and faith that the true treasures above, Lord, are the ones that we're going to inherit when that day comes, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.